Well, all that being said, hopefully you made your way to Deuteronomy chapter 29. Let's go before the Lord once more. Father, we again ask that you would move by your spirit in our midst through your word tonight, Lord, as you're so faithful to do. That we might hear all that you have to say, Lord. I know that you're speaking your heart to these people that are just gathered there in front of Moses, listening to him. Speak your words forth to them, reminding them, encouraging them, loving them. Just, just again, Lord, you love them and you want them to know and you never warn us needlessly, Lord. Lord, help us to be those that listen and have ears to hear tonight, Father. All that you have to say, Lord, will benefit so greatly, Lord, and we thank you for it, Lord. Bless this time, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, we're, we're getting down to the very end here. Moses is going to, you know, speak the final words here, and then chapter, well, the end of chapter 31 and 32, he actually writes a song. The Lord have him writes a song, and it's a, it's a song we'll look at that uh, every section of it, every stanza is a, is a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet, so it would be like, for us, A, and then we'd sing these verses, and then B, sing these verses, and C, sing these verses, you know, and, and going all the way through the alphabet till, till Z. Um, but they do that in, in the Hebrew alphabet so that they can remember it. And it, it, he composes this song as the Lord called him to, so they would remember all that he said. Uh, it's amazing we can, um, how, how songs we can remember. Is that amazing how far back you can remember songs? I mean, when you're, a kid, 30 years, 40 years, some of us 20 years ago, whatever, you know, you can remember songs. Um, and so the Lord uses that to teach him a song. And so he kind of winds up with that. And then, you know, we find out what happens to him. So really, we're getting down to uh, the final words of Moses before the Lord takes him home. And, and remember, we're here um you know, the words of the covenant for the promised land they're heading into now in a matter of weeks. He's, he's telling them all the things that if you follow me, if you listen, if you do these things, there's great blessings in store for you in the land. And then there's also warnings. Be careful. Don't do this. Don't allow your heart to go this direction. Don't move off in this direction because it's going to cause a lot of problems. And eventually, if you wind up being like the people that you are driving out going into the land, you'll be driven out. And he gives them that warning. And really, you know, you can look at these chapters that we've read last week and this week as pre-written history because it all comes to pass. But again, an important thing to remember because some people just got to get this a little confused. They think, well, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament and God was different in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant rather than, and, and, and there's difference in the New Covenant. Remember, the Lord wants a relationship always based on faith. Though he was dealing with them as a nation, and he gave them his laws, and they had to deal with each other, and so forth. And then he gave them the Ten Commandments, and then how to approach him and all those laws. It was still coming all by faith. It's always been that way. Not by works, but by faith. And, uh, you know, the Lord's kind of saying, if you walk with me, I'll take care of you. And he's asking him, pretty much, will you make yourself available? Um, he, 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 are you really going to make your heart available to me? Do you want to know me and grow and, and go deeper? 
And so, uh, you know, that's really the appeal of a lot of this chapter here. So, again, we get kind of a, a bird's eye view of what will take place, the good and the bad. And so verse 1 of Deuteronomy 29 says, Now these are the words of the covenant which the Lord uh, commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he had made with them in Horab, or Mount Sinai. So they're in the land of Moab right now. That's where Moses is, right? That's where he's given this speech, this next generation going to the land. But he's making it clear all that God had said in, in the first time in Mount Sinai, from the flames and the fire, Moses went up there 40 days and got the Ten Commandments and showed him all that. So he's kind of saying, hey, this is, I'm just repeating in Moab what the Lord said um, in Sinai. And most of them were kids, um, the older generation certainly were kids back then. And so I made this covenant with you. Verse 2, now Moses called all Israel and said, You have seen all that the Lord did uh, before you, uh, before, I'm sorry, before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. Verse 3, uh, the great trials which you, your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive and eyes to see and ears to hear to this very day. And I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn on your feet. You have not eaten bread nor have drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. So in this renewal of the covenant, the people, remember at that time, you know, the oldest people were, were children or teenagers, and they witnessed all those great, wonderful miracles that the Lord did in Egypt, the miracles that he did taking care of them, providing them food, providing them with, with water. And, and, and remember, the oldest people in the crowd would have been, you know, the very oldest would be about 60 years old um, after wandering through the wilderness. Um, you know, and they went into Kadesh Barnea, they wouldn't go in. So, you know, that generation died for 40 years. And so it was 20 and older that, that had died. So the oldest of these people was about 60, except for Joshua and Caleb. They were the only ones from the older generation that would go into the land. So some of these guys were, you know, seven, eight years old, 10 years old when they crossed the Red Sea, when they saw these miracles in Egypt. And, and you know, they, God is reminding them all the things that they had seen, all the miracles. And, I don't know about you, but if you, when I was reading verse 4, it's really kind of an amazing uh, verse, I think. You know, you, you read it and you go, and yet the Lord has not given you a heart to perceive or eyes to see or ears to hear to this very day. What, what, what the Lord's saying is that you guys saw so much, yet you perceived so little. You, you saw the miracles in Egypt. You saw the Red Sea part. You know, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe it's it's like seeing the ocean part from Santa Cruz all the way across to Monterey or something in the bay, and you walked across, you know, that the bay on, on dry ground. I mean, they saw that happen. They saw the miracles and the plagues in Egypt. They saw the miracles that God brought water from a rock and and food came down. They saw the Lord speak, uh, hear the Lord speak out the Ten Commandments and saw the, the flames and the fire. They saw the presence of God come down when the tabernacle was done on the offering and consume it. I mean, they saw miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, yet 
they saw those things, but they it didn't have an effect. They perceived so little. Um, we would say maybe, like Jesus said, you know, you have eyes, but you didn't see, and you had ears, but you didn't hear. We've got to remember, miracles in and of themselves really do little to show or convince a person anything if their heart is not open to the Lord. We've got to remember that, because some of you think, well, if this person just saw a miracle, or, or people will say, well, I'll believe in God, and, and I'll follow the, what the Bible teaches. If, if I just see a miracle, then I'll do it. The truth of the matter is, the Bible is full of people that saw amazing miracle, miraculous things. You know, all of a sudden a basket of two fish and a, and a couple of slices of bread feeds 4,000, 5,000 people. I mean, they saw the heel, the lame walk. They saw these miracles through the Old Testament. These guys, I mean, over and over again, people uh, in Revelation. We've been doing that on Sunday morning. I mean, they see these miraculous things happen. Angels preach the gospel. They know it's God, but they still don't turn. So miracles in and of themselves do very little unless a person's heart is open to the Lord. Um, you remember even Nicodemus uh, in John chapter 3. Remember, uh, he came to Jesus and he said, you know, I know those miracles you do, you have to be from the Lord. It has to be from the Lord. There's no way that anybody can do those things and not be from the Lord. And, and, and again, those miracles kind of drew Nicodemus into wanting to be with Jesus. And then he heard from Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus informed him, instructed him. And he even said, hey, you're the teacher. And yet you don't know the simple things about being born again spiritually. And, and, and so, again, but we know that Nicodemus had a heart to... He saw the miracles and he said, okay, pointed to the Lord. Lord, you got my attention. What, what are you trying to say to me? And, of course, that brought Jesus into the situation, and, and it showed him. So, again, um, they had accustomed, they'd been accustomed to, to seeing the Lord provide for them every day for 40 years. But what the Lord said, it had little impact. And, and, you know, without a hunger or desire to go deeper with the Lord, even the miraculous things don't really do much in a person's life. They just didn't get it. May we always have hearts to ask the Lord to see with our eyes and hear with our ears all that He's saying to us. And we just don't get so used to the fact that He's doing this and doing that and amazing things that He does. And, and when we see things that we, you know, it moves in our heart and not just become, you know, like these guys did. They're just so used to it. It didn't have any impact. He goes, you know, I, I would take it deeper, but. You just don't really have the desire. And, and then he reminds him in verse 7, And when you came to this place, Shion the king of Heshbon and Og the king of Basham came out against us in battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore keep the words of this covenant and, notice, do them that you may prosper in all that you do. So Moses reminds him again, just hey, just remember a few months ago, we fought these kings, this great king of Shion, this Og, the king of Bashan, that had that 13-foot tall bed and six-foot wide, so he was a huge guy. And, and you, you, you beat him. I remember, it was impossible odds. These were a bunch of slaves, guys that 
Did no, didn't have any military training. They didn't know how to fight. They didn't have any swords, probably. You think God is with us? Yeah, we beat these guys. And look, we have all this land on this side, and a group of people wanted decided to stay there. Just don't forget about that. But you know, he's he's reminding us. You know, he, he's done so much, but they did so little. In their desire to seek the Lord, it, it didn't produce a response. They saw this great miracle miracles again, having these great victories in battle, and yet uh, it didn't really produce a response in them. You know, we never want to be Christians uh, like that too. I, I would call it, you know, the hands in the pocket Christians, right? You know, just like these people, um, they just didn't have this passion. You know, you guys are out here on Wednesday night, so obviously. You know, I, you, you guys want to hear from the Lord, but you, you, you know that there's people that just kind of come and kind of come when they want. And, you know, I, I kind of live my life as a Christian. I just kind of have my hands in my pocket. I don't do much with it. And the Lord basically said, because you had that attitude, I wasn't able to give you the insight and show them more because they don't have a desire. And, and that's the real truth of it, you guys. The Lord wants to take us as far as we'll want to go with Him. But if we're just satisfied at a certain point, well, okay, I've learned enough, I've heard enough, I know enough, I've been, did enough, I've done this, I've done this, I have all this stuff, you know, behind me that I've done, and and so that's kind of good enough. I, I don't want to grow. I don't want to. I don't want to move. I don't want to, you know, see what you have for me, Lord. Then the Lord kind of just leaves us there in neutral, and that's what He's saying. I, I wanted to give you more. I wanted to do more and even give you insight to all the great things I was doing, but you didn't have the desire, even after all that you saw. Pretty sad. But verse 10 says, All of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders, your tribes, your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into a covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself and that he may be God to you, just as he has spoken to you and just as he has sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." And so they were all there. And, 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 you know, again, the Lord's getting everybody's attention. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not Jewish. You know, if you tagged along from Egypt um, or, or joined them in whatever way, sense, or form, everybody was there. And I mean everybody. And notice the Lord was calling them all. He wanted them all to be his people. And, and he's saying, I've, I've been carrying you. You know, as he called them all there, I've been carrying you. I've been taking care of you all this time. You know, you're out in the desert. You know, your shoes haven't worn out. Your your tags are still on your shoes. (laughs) After 40 years, your clothes are still working. You know, everything is still good. I've taken care of you. But now you're going to be entering into this new land. I got this new season for you. And I'm not going to bring water out of the rock where you just have to walk up and get it. You're going to have to go into a well. If you want to eat, it's not going to fall from the sky. You're going to have to plant crops. And But I'm going to bring you into this land that has all this stuff. And, and But now it's time to walk. 
Now it's time to, to move out on your own. And the Lord does that in our lives too. You know, when we first become Christians, he, He's gracious to us. Usually when the, we forgive our hearts to the Lord, He takes away all these desires, right? You were doing this, you were having this, you were thinking this way. And remember all those things kind of just stripped away and everything. The Lord, you know, just treats us as we're young. And then as, you know, a, a year or two or three go on, and all of a sudden these temptations come back that <laughs> that we once lost years ago and there's these battles and because the, the Lord's now he's maturing us and we have to rather than him just taking in the way which he does because out of his grace and love because we're like little ones you know he's he's caring for us in a very intimate way uh, because we're new but as we but he still wants us to grow and so now we have to you know put those things aside by by his spirit and we have to you know work through those things in the sense that we have to willingly say, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this. I'm not heading back in this direction. I'm not going this way. And that's where a lot of Christians, sad to say, they come to know the Lord and, you know, maybe out of some pretty tough circumstances and the Lord delivers them and takes care of them. They're all happy and, wow, Lord, thank you very much. And then a year or two goes by, sometimes a little less, sometimes a little more, and then they kind of heading off because things kind of got fixed and so I'm okay, I know a little about the Lord, I got Jesus in my pocket and now I can kind of head back and go back to my own life. And the Lord, you know, says, listen, I want I want you to be a part of me and I want you to grow and mature and remember all that I've done. Amen. And, and and so he, he's that's exactly what he's doing here. I've been taking care of you for all these years, but now you're taking this next step. And he's encouraging them, and he's also warning them that some of the things that's going to cross their paths. And, and so, verse 14 says, I make this covenant uh, and this oath not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as him who is not here with us today. For you know that we dwell in a land of, it, uh, of Egypt, and we came through the nations which you've passed by. And you saw their abominations and their idols which were among them, wood and stone, and silver and gold. So there, there uh, may not be among you a man or a woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and to serve the gods of these nations and that there may not be among you a root of bitter, uh, bearing bitterness or wormwood, which means bitterness. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart saying I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart as though the drunkard could be included with the sober verse 20 the Lord would not spare him for then the stranger I'm sorry for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against that man and every curse that is written in this book would settle upon him and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. So the Lord, again, is offering this covenant to all the people, everybody that was there, everybody that's come out of Egypt with them that weren't Jewish people, and everybody that wants to come to him, even if they're not there, which means in the future, people that would come in the future. He says, I'm, making, I'm opening this covenant to anybody that would come to want to know me in the land. And... and just like he does today. He wants everybody to know him. So he comes and he offers salvation freely to everybody. Well, in the Old Testament, 
they, they could come to the nation and worship the Lord. And so this covenant wasn't just necessarily just for those people there, although it was, but was also in the future. And the Lord reminds them, as we just read, right, that these, these people have seen how other people do it. How other people worship idols, how they do their own thing, how they live different, how they live completely different than what the Lord's called them uh, to be. And, and he said, you, you've seen that. You've seen what their life was like. You've seen where they lived. You see how they did things. And he says, listen, you saw that. You, you know, but don't go there. You know, don't develop this unbelieving attitude that you can have life apart from God. You can't. That's what he was really saying, you know. In verse 19, you know, he says, don't think I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my own heart. In other words, I can kind of do my own thing and everything will go okay. And the Lord says, no. You know, don't think, you can't have this heart, well, that doesn't really apply to me. You know, and I'm going to be blessed, you know, if I do it the way I want to do it, you know. And people do that, you know, today, right? They they want to search out the good life without having the Lord in it. And the Lord says, listen, that's just never going to happen. You're, you're never going to find what you're looking for. You can never find peace. You know, I was thinking that that Jeff Bezos from, so I wanted to say Bozos, but I didn't say Bezos from, you know, Amazon. And uh, I didn't realize he's within a couple billion of being the richest man in the world now. He's, um, he, uh, I was read a couple billion within uh, Bill Gates. And they were, I was reading about that a little bit today. And, and here you are, you know, you think of all the people that we know that, you know, are on the coast here up in Silicon Valley that are millionaires and billionaires even. And, you know, they have all this stuff, but you know, they think they can get what they're looking for by having a successful business or, or getting married or having children or having a house or having this or doing this or being a part of that, you know, and 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 these guys, you know, realize that it's just not enough. And that's why even if you have $56 billion that you're still working to make more money, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry, if any one of us in here had a few million dollars, it'd probably be, <laughs> that would be it, Right. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. We just that would be enough to live on the rest of your life. But these guys have billions, and it's still not enough. You, you know, they're starting new businesses, they're doing new ventures, they're investing in this, and because it's just not enough. They seek after blessings, and people, even you know, regular people in our community, they're seeking after this, and, and they're looking for the blessings, and and and, and they just won't ever find them because they're not found apart from the Lord. And so the Lord says, listen, you've seen people living like that, that they think they can find it by having this or getting this or owning that or being a part of this or getting married or getting divorced or having children or getting rid of the children or whatever it is, right? Having this job, having this money, having this look, you know, or looking like this or having this or whatever. And then all of a sudden, all right. And the Lord says, you've seen all those people, what they worship and what they chase after. Don't do it. And don't think in your own mind that you can have some great peace that is going to satisfy apart from me. Don't think in your own mind, I can do what I want to do and what I feel like it, and, and everything is going to work out. The Lord says, listen, I can't bless that. I can't bless a life that live is apart from me and my law and my word and my way. It's like you, you can't 
I love the comparison at the end of verse 19. He says, as though the drunkard could be included with the sober. See, you couldn't include some drunk guy with the sober people because he would stand out so much different. That's the comparison that he gives here. It's like trying to have a guy that's totally drunk uh, try to fit in with a bunch of sober people. You know it would never happen. And that's the same way the Lord's saying here. You can't, you think you can do it your own way, there's no blessings found there. So he warns them and reminds them. There's great peace, there's great blessing with me, and you're going to find it, it very miserable apart from me. Now, verse 21 on, he's kind of, if you kind of read these things, because we know the history, um, you know, we'll see that they will do things their own way. They will develop this attitude, and the Lord's going to kind of tell them prophetically, really, what's going to happen. So verse 21 And the Lord would separate, so if a person did this, if the nation did this, if the people did this, that he would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law. So that the coming generation of your children who rise up after you, and the foreigner who comes from a far land, would say, when he saw the plagues of the land and the sickness which, is, which the Lord has laid on it, The whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It's not sown, nor does it bear, nor does it, uh, any grass grow out there. Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Ad Adma, and Zebolim, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. All nations would say, why has the Lord done this to this, so, done so to this land? And why does the, uh, the heat of his great anger mean? Then people would say, well, because they have forgotten the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them and when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods that they did not know and that he had not given to them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in the book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. Now notice verse 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that, may, that we may do all the words of this law. So the Lord says, listen, I want to bless you. I want you to be a part of me. I want to do great things in your life. But if you think you can live kind of your own life and do your own kind of thing and kind of go your own way and think if things are going to go okay, they're not. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, I, 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 you can't do it and live your own life. You know, you can't have the attitude, well, I can live my own life, I can make my own way. He said, what would happen if you turn away from me and do that, then the destruction uh, of the land will come. And then people are going to come by and say, Dude, that land is just a wreck. There is nothing there. It is, doesn't grow. It's barren. It looks like the face of the moon, right? And, and, and other people will say, well, what happened? Why does it look so terrible? And then the people will say, well, because the, everybody that was here decided to do their own thing. And this is the result. Very barren, very dry, very empty. But isn't it the same thing that happens today, right? You know, a person, 
you know, when people walk away from the Lord and just kind of do their own thing, and and sometimes you see them a little bit later on, and you go, dude, what happened? <laughs> I remember that happening not too long ago, and I'm like, wow, what happened? Well, what happened is they just walked away from the Lord. What happened is they started to do their own thing and thought they would be okay and kind of chased their own way, and then gone in a different direction that wasn't the Lord's will, and and life becomes pretty barren and pretty empty in the hardships and difficulties. You know, it's one thing before you know the Lord. It's another thing when you know the Lord and then you choose to do your own thing in direct rebellion. Usually it's it's a lot worse and the result is usually a lot harder. And the Lord says, listen, I, I love you too much and I, and I, I don't go that way. Don't do it. And as a whole, as a nation, you'll see this thing just be barren and ugly. Now, verse 29, look at that again, because you've probably heard that voice, that, that, this verse, you know, at some point in church, somebody's quoted or brought it up. But notice it says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the works, words of this law. Listen, there's certain things that the Lord doesn't explain to us. We all know that. As a matter of fact, I was talking to Ken on Sunday after church, and we were talking about a situation, and I had to say, basically, I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I know what the Bible says, but why this went down and why the Lord had all this, it's just not explained. I just don't understand it. And there's some things we just don't know, and we start asking, why does this happen and why does this happen? Um, the Lord doesn't choose to tell us. As a matter of fact, we know from Isaiah, the Lord says, my ways aren't your ways, my ways are higher than your ways, and you won't, there's some things you won't understand. Because he's God, infinite, we're finite man. And so, you know, we're not going to understand things. But the context of this verse is basically saying, yes, there's things that I don't reveal to you or I don't explain to you, absolutely but don't worry about those things. What you need to worry about is what you know and do what you know. So what's revealed to you is you have a choice. You can serve me and follow me and do what I've called you to do and live that life, or you can live a life apart from that. And and this is the result if you live apart from me. And this is the result if you live for me. You're going to be blessed and things are going to go well and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you that peace and I'm going to give you that joy. And certainly in the Old Covenant, God did bless them in a lot of material ways. And, and here, here's the way it's good. And here's the choice you make. And so don't worry about the things you don't know and I don't reveal to you. But what we need to do is um, is do the things that we know. You know, why you're facing such great difficulties if you don't listen to me is not a mystery. You say, why is this like, it's not a great mystery. You know, that's what he's saying. When you see it barren, dry, and empty, it shouldn't be a mystery why this is happening. It's because you haven't been listening. And so he he tells them that. And that's really what he's saying is focus on what you know and what has been revealed. That's enough for you. There's some things I haven't revealed to you. Well, chapter 30, so let's look at verse 1 here. Now it shall come to pass, when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curse which I have set before you. So again, 
It's pre-written history. <laughs> you know, Moses kind of goes over what's going to happen to them because the Lord knows everything. You know, it's one of the great reasons to trust the Bible, right? Um, the Lord tells us what's going to happen before it happens, and it's 100% correct every time. And if we read Deuteronomy, and as we continue through the Old Testament, you'll see, you know, that they'll listen sometimes, and things will go very well with them, you know, i.e. in the case of, uh, of when Samuel was leading the land, even when Joshua was, and then when, uh, you know, David became king, you know, there were some high points in other places and other times when they followed the Lord, and then you see when they didn't choose to follow the Lord and how things fell apart and became very difficult. And the Lord tells them everything that's going to happen really ahead of time. Um, and so one of the reasons why we can trust the Bible. So he said, I set these things before you and, and call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And um, I set this before you and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you and from there he will bring you. So the Lord says, listen, you know, you don't listen and you do your own thing, and you choose not to obey, but then all of a sudden, you know, you're in this dry, barren place, and, and, and you turn back to me, the Lord says, my, my arms are open. That, that, that's what I want. As a matter of fact, um, sorry, I didn't throw that, show that slide, but you know, life ebbing away here. But Jeremiah 29, uh, 10 through 14 says this as well, and thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart." I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. So just like in Deuteronomy here, Jeremiah says the same thing, because the nation was at its lowest point. They were being overrun, they were going to be destroyed, and God appointed 70 years for them to be out of the land. But you notice the, what the Lord's promising them. Listen, when you're there and you see how empty it is, and you see how dry it is, and you see how miserable it is walking out of my will and apart from me, and you turn to me and say, oh Lord, I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord, I repent. Lord, I, I, I want to be in the right place. Then the Lord says, I'm ready. I'm here. I, I, again, I, I want you to know me. And when you turn and want to know me, and as he says here, you know, when you turn to me in the end of verse 2, with all your heart and with all your soul, he says, I can't wait to put you back and to bless you. 
And that's what he desires, is when a person's in that place to have a repentive heart. Just like today, if a person walks away and kind of does their own thing like we were talking about, and turns back to the Lord, the Lord says, come back. You know, people's attitude is like, well, you know, I messed up royally. You know, I've gone down the dark road. I've done too much. Don't buy that. His arms are open. You know, I like this verse in 1 John chapter 3. And and he says, uh, verse 19, uh, Then this is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how uh, how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. For whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. So when our hearts, what John's saying here is when our hearts condemn us and we feel like, oh man, I've done too much and I've been too wrong and I've messed up royally and gone down here. So the Lord is greater than the condemnation that's in our hearts when we think about these things. In other words, he's greater than that. His forgiveness is greater than that. And we don't have to live in that state of, oh man, I blew it and I should have done this and I didn't do this and I got involved in this and I went back there. The Lord says, listen, you know, my arms are open. I'm ready to receive you. And anytime you're ready to connect with me and you turn your heart towards me and away from that, he said, we're back on track. And you guys, let me just encourage you. You know, we need to pass that along because there are some, you know, sheep that have gotten out of the sheepfold and they're kind of stuck in their own things and doing their own things and and, you know, the enemy likes to keep him down by saying, oh, you just can't, you've gone too far, you did this, you did that, you know, and, and there's shame and there's guilt and there's all that. And we need to remind him that, hey, listen, you turn to the Lord with your heart, with your heart and with your soul, you know, he's, he'll bring you back. He'll, he'll take you out of that captivity and bless you abundantly. Amen. We need to pass that message along. He'll do it. He's doing it here even in the Old Covenant. It's still the Lord's heart. And of course, 1 John tells us that same thing. is greater than the condemnation that comes in our hearts. Well, verse 5 says, And the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed and shall, pos- and shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Now, again, you guys, notice in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it's still all about our hearts or who we are as a person connecting with the Father, right? It's repeated here over and over again. And the Lord's promise here is even to change their hearts. See, it was never, ever, even in the Old Covenant, it never was a religious thing. And, you know, if you do this and you do the, it's all about the condition of your heart. If your heart is to do your own thing, you're going to follow after and you're going to make other gods and you're going to worship other things. And they looked a little different in those days than they did today. But it's still same action happens. And it's not about doing religious things. It's not about keeping these things and doing this and not doing that. It's The heart is the matter. The Lord wants our heart. It's always been that way, always will be that way, because He wants our lives. And that's what He's saying here. If you, if you turn with your heart, I'm there to bless you and restore you. 
And and at some point, the Lord will change all of their hearts, just like one day, just like He's given us a new heart. Same thing. Give us a heart and a desire to serve and love and know Him. And His promise in verse 7, also, the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and those who hate you, who persecute you. So they'll be moved off from you. And those that want to do you harm, it's going to fall on them. Verse 8, And you again obey the voice of the Lord your God to do all His commandments which I command you today. For the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hands and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord again will rejoice over you as for good as you rejoiced over your fathers. Verse 10, If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and the statutes which are written in this book of the law, And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now remember when the Jews became a a nation in 1948. You know, the land was completely barren. I mean, it was ugly. Even when I was there, uh, last time I was there was in the 90s. It was just ugly. And there was was trees coming up, but there was, uh, had changed a lot. But there was still a lot of rocks and uh, certainly when they got into the land in the, in the 40s, there was no trees there because of many wars that have gone by. Um, and one of the laws in the Ottoman Turk Empire that ruled that area for, I don't know, a couple hundred years. I forgot how long it was. Maybe it was a little longer than that. But they ruled the area there. And, and how they taxed people was how many trees are on your land. So if you pay taxes based on how many trees you had on your land, guess how many trees you'd have on your land? Yeah, you'd cut them all down unless you had fruit trees or olive trees or something and they produced fruit. Then you would probably keep those because that was your livelihood. But you can imagine they were cut down. And so uh, when they started moving into the land, they, they, they planted trees. They actually know, believe it or not, how many trees there are in Israel because um, most of them, or almost all of them, they had planted since they got there. And I remember when I was there last the guy, the tour guide whipped off and said, this is how many trees they have in the nation because they planted them. Now, they are growing. The land is becoming fruitful right now, certainly, and, you know, and is being blessed. But the problem is the, the nation is very secular. I mean, it's very secular and a very small percentage of people, I don't know, let's say around 10% of the people are, are actually Orthodox Jews, which means they keep kind of they try to keep the Old Testament laws, if you would. Can't do all of that because they don't have a temple and all that. But but still, they, they try to live that Orthodox life. Most of them don't even care. And the sad part is they're being set up for the Antichrist, right? Because he's going to, uh, you know, believe, uh, they're going to believe his lie of peace. Have you been following the story in Jerusalem? Um, uh, you know that some... Um, uh, the worshippers on the Alaska Mosque up there on the Temple Mount site, they made some homemade uh, machine gun and they hid it under their robes or whatever and they killed a couple Israeli policemen on the Temple Mount. And then you've probably heard in the news the last few days it's been a big thing. Um, then they set up these metal detectors there so all the Muslims going up to the, the mosque up there have to go through metal detectors. Um, and then they started rioting and there was that riot in Amman, Jordan where that guy tried to kill somebody there and they praying on the streets to protest it and all that kind of stuff. And and again, you know, you hear all this kind of stuff and all this is around the Temple Mount. You know, even the smallest little thing causes these huge, huge ripples throughout the Muslim nations and throughout Israel. There's always this 
you know, the Palestinians are about ready to, you know, light a fire. One of them broke into a settlement and killed a family. I mean, crazy stuff, right? All because of, you know, there's this powder keg. It's ready to explode over there, mostly around that Temple Mount. And, and so they're going to be happy because most of them are secular. They don't believe in the Lord. Yeah, they're Jewish, but that's just their national heritage. Like we say, we're Americans or whatever, right? And, and so, uh, you know, this Antichrist is going to come in and, and deceive most of them, sadly. But, you know, the Lord will spare, as we know, a third of them. And we talked about that in Revelation. And then, just as Romans 11 tells us, one day they'll, they'll see the Lord, the one whom they have pierced. And Romans 11 again goes on to say that all of them will be saved. And that will be the day where they'll enjoy these, these blessings. And notice in verse 11 he says, and this again... Um, it is quoted in the New Testament as well. But read these. These are great underlinable verses. Verse 11, For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, well, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is beyond the sea that you say, oh, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But notice verse 14 is probably underlined in your Bible. But the word is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. So important to see, again, in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, the Lord reminds them that, listen, what I've called you to do is not some big secret. It's not hard to find. It's not far away. You know, and that's the difference with religion. You know, that whole Marvel story with uh, Doctor Strange, if you ever read the comics and they made the movie about it, you know, he, he had to go to uh, Kathmandu and Tibet and all these religious things and find all this knowledge and go over there and travel all this great distance to find the truth. The Bible says something very clearly. It, you don't have to do that. Because that's what religions tell you, right? Religions tell you, oh, there are secret things uh, you can know and mysteries only you could know. And, of course, you know the Jehovah Witnesses that knock on your door and try to tell you about a conference coming up or tell you this or that. You know, if you got get talked to them, they'll tell you, well, if you really work hard and if you really follow all these rules, you could become one of the 144,000 and, and get into heaven. There's just a select few. But you got to work hard and you got to get the secret knowledge and you got to do this. Or, you know, you have to travel to some monastery in Tibet and or go to Mecca or something and, and you got to make these pilgrimage and, and find it because it's far away. Or you have to ascend to some place to get close to God. Or you have to do some superhuman effort. Or go to some shrine, crawl up on your knees, you know, and kiss some statue or something. That, that's what religion teaches. The Bible teaches you, and God says it very clearly, it's, it's near, in your, near to you. It's in your heart. You don't have to go anywhere or do anything. And, and again, Paul picks this up and actually quotes this in Romans 10, uh, and, and he concludes with this. And it says in Romans 10, verse 8, But what does it say? And it quotes from where we are right here. The word is near you, and it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. 
that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth you confess and are saved. It's so simple. The Lord is even saying it back here in the Old Testament. It's repeated again in the New Testament. Salvation, being close to me, moving your heart towards me, is just a breath of way. Simple faith of confession and belief in your heart. It's not something you have to do. It's something that's been done for you. And we simply receive and believe. Guys, you could repeat that a hundred times today in this community. In our very community that think that, you know, you have to do this and you have to go there and you have to say so many prayers and you have to go to confession. You have to do all these things and and they get all these really... and, And we need... This is... This is so applicable to us today. People think, oh, you know, you have to do this and you have... No, it's a breath away. It's already been done. You simply receive it. It's near to you. You don't have to go searching. It's here. It's been done. It's not something you have to do. And we just simply receive Jesus and confess and we're saved. And, And... Boy, it's such an important message for today, guys. You know, such a great thing. You can go to Romans 10, which is a great, you know, do the Romans road of salvation. But you could even do it in Deuteronomy here. You know, great. I, I would just encourage you to underline this part and note this. And it's just revolutionary here. Even God wants them to come near. He's saying it's right here. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. Don't let me tell you you have to go here and search over there and go over there or it's way over there or you have to do this or you have to do all this. This is what you have to do. The Bible says it's done. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe and receive. So different than all other religions. And they want to lump Christianity within all the other religions and it's completely different. Good good things to note. Good things to remember in, in your Bible there. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments, His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. And so the Lord says it very simply, you choose life or death, good or evil. The Lord always gives us a choice. What do you want? I set before you the good way of life, terrible way of death. What are you going to do? Verse 17, But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and to possess. So the things I have for you are mighty and wonderful, but again, it's a choice. And notice he says in verse 18, I announce to you today, you need to know this now and not wait. Let me just remind you, the response responses to God should not be delayed. If the Lord's put something in our heart, don't, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, Lord, I need to do that, or I need to stop doing that, or I need to start doing this, or whatever it is. You know, let's not d- delay. We, we, just, it's, we just need to respond. 
So all of us need to hear those words. Just, just respond. Announce you to today. Just, I'm telling you right now. Let's do it. That, that's what he's saying to him, and that's the encouragement to us too. Don't let anything stop you. Verse 19, and I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you, that if I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham to Isaac and Jacob to give to them. And so again, you guys, we finish up tonight. You know, he really says, you just, you know, you really can hear that yearning in his heart. The Lord wants his people to have this yearning and this desire to listen to him, to trust him, to follow him, to believe him. That, that's, again, it's no different in that day or as it is in this day. You know, I want your heart. I desire you to just have this yearning and this desire to trust me and to follow me and to believe me. He he wants to bless us. And he says, you know, the way to have that abundant life and, and the joy and the peace and the satisfaction you look for is staying close to me. Amen? Amen. Father... Lord, that's our prayer tonight. Lord, help us to stay close to you. Lord, if there's areas that, that you know, we're kind of taking a step to the right or the left in, Lord, or even stopping and not just moving forward, Lord, I, I pray you'd help us to, to break out of whatever it is that's holding us back from just following you with our hearts, Lord. That, that's all you're asking here. That's all you're even saying to these people in that day. If you just love me, if you just... Surround your life with me and who I am and, and just trust me and follow my lead. You're, you're, you're going to find everything and more that you ever could think of or desire. I'll take you places that you just can't even begin to imagine because I love you that much. But all I ask and all the Lord asks us is just to love him in return, just to trust him and to believe him just to follow him. Help us to do that, Lord. And there's lots of demands that want to pull us. And, and sometimes they're not even just bad things. They're just things that slow us down. They're things that, you know, it's like having a heavy backpack on our back. It just, we can't move easy. We can't, not as agile. It works our joints. And it kind of just slows us down a step or two. And we don't have that fervency and that fire and that desire just to, be really close to you, Father. And help us, Lord, when we have those things, when we get that way, or when we feel like things aren't moving, or we're kind of just stuck. Lord, it's it's a simple prayer, Father, you want. just You, you want us just to ask, to, Lord, draw me close. Set that fire in my heart. Give me that passion. Give me that that desire just to be close and follow and trust and believe you. And that's our prayer tonight, Father. That's a prayer that you always respond to, Lord, when it comes from our heart. And Lord, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the things that you want to do in through our lives, Lord. And we pray we make a huge impact in the Pajaro Valley, Lord. 
when you took 12 men, and one of them was messed up to say the least, and and and, and you turned the world upside down with the 11 that remained. It, it's 11 people, 11 men. You can do the same today with even half that, even with just one. Lord, we pray that for us in this room, Lord, we would just be part of that, that we just, our whole hearts would just be in love and surrounded by who you are, what you want to do. Help us to always stay close, Lord, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.